last week we, we talked a little bit about, you know, who is Impact Church? What are we all about? And we're kind of going to continue that theme just a little bit today. So if it's your first time here, this is a great time for you to be here because you're going to find out a little bit, a little bit more about just kind of what we're all about, what we're trying to, to be here at Impact Church. You know, I read an interesting story this week about a woman who had a, a pet parakeet, a pet parakeet named Chippy. And, and Chippy was just, was her best friend. And she would, she loved her bird, and they talked and spent time together and stuff. And then one day, something happened. And Chippy never saw it coming. But let me, let me just tell you what happened to Chippy. One second, you know, he was just perched in his cage, just singing like birds do, just happy as a bird. And uh, then something happened. See, the problem, what happened began when Chippy's owner decided to clean out his birdcage. And so she thought it would be a good idea. Let me just clean it really well and get all the stuff out of the bottom. So she got her vacuum cleaner and her hose and began to clean out the birdcage. Well, unfortunately, right at that moment, somebody decided to call her. So when she reached to grab her phone, that vacuum hose kind of went up toward the bird. And next thing you know, she heard this whoosh kind of sound. And she looked up just in time to see a few feathers flying out of the tip of that hose where Chippy went in. So she began to, she began to just, she got frantic and began to try to figure out what she's, what am I supposed to do next? And so she opened up, she turned everything off and opened up the vacuum cleaner and got the bag out and began to dig. And unfortunately, she found the bird and the bird was okay. I mean, he was a bit traumatized and um, he was covered in dirt and debris and stuff like that. So she thought, okay, Chippy's okay, but he's filthy. So I better clean Chippy off. So she said, the only thing I can think of to do is just put him under the water faucet. So she held Chippy under the, the water faucet, cleaned all the stuff off. Then she realized, now he's soaking wet. I got it. A hairdryer. And so next thing you know, she's blow drying Chippy until he's perfectly dry. And she was sharing this with a friend of hers about kind of this whole ordeal. And then she ended the story with, but it's the strangest thing. Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just kind of sits there and stares into space. And he's not the same bird after, you know, he was sucked up and splashed over and then blow-dried almost to death. It changed him. He's not the same bird anymore. You know, I was, I, was, I was reading another book this week, and the, the introduction, the start of that book had three words, and that was the whole introduction. These three words, it said, life is difficult. Sometimes we get ourselves in situations, or life puts us in a situation where we're just like that bird. We feel sucked up by life, and then we feel almost drenched by circumstances. And then if that's not enough, then we get blow-dried almost to the point where it finishes us off. And at times, 
it changes us. Those things that happened to us were not the same as we once were. Sometimes circumstances make us different, especially when we have to face them alone, especially when we don't have people there to walk through those difficult circumstances with us. It can be tough. Life is difficult. Things are going to happen. So what can we do about it? Well, let me, let me just tell you. Bananas. Now, I'm going to tell you something today about how this bunch of bananas can change your life. Now, you've all heard the saying, like, stuff like, an apple a day will keep the doctor away. Well, this is nothing like that. Um, but these bananas can really transform how we live and how we experience life. And I'll tell you why in just a little. And it's not a health thing. It has nothing to do with eating the bananas. You know, one, one of the most important things we do here at Impact Church, one of the things that we are all about is helping people build relationships with one another. Because here's the thing. We know when those difficult moments of life happen, and they're going to, that it's almost impossible to get through them in the right way, in a healthy way, if you have to face them alone. So what we want to do here at Impact Church is we want to help you have a group of people that can walk through those difficult moments with you. That's what the Bible talks about. The Bible calls that just doing, being in community with one another, doing life together, so that when those difficult moments come, you don't have to face them alone. You've got people that are walking alongside you that can pray with you and pray for you and encourage you and can help you. And, and as we look in God's Word today, we're going to see how this is lived out in the Bible and in our world today. Here's one thing I do know for all of us. Every one of us was created for community. We have something inside us that whether we realize it or not, we desire to have meaningful relationships with other people. You know, even if we think we're a loner, we're not. There is something inside us that says, I need people in my life. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people, but I need a small group of people that I can really count on, that I can depend on, that I can trust. And that's the environment we want to create here at Impact Church. But here's something else I know about us. As much as we know we need that kind of community, as much as we know we need those kind of relationships in our life, at times, we resist them just as strongly. We push back. We say, I know I want this, but at the same time, I've got to keep everybody at arm's length. I can't let people get in. I can't let my guard down because I've been burned in the past. I've been stabbed in the back by people I thought cared about me. I've been hurt by people who I trusted. And so now I gotta, I've got walls up. I've got to protect myself. I've got to protect my family. Those kind of relationships you're talking about, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And so there's that struggle. We know we want it, 
but at the same time, we resist it because it's hard. You know, it's hard putting ourselves out there and saying, I'm going to take off the mask and let you see who I really am. But that's the goal. Those are the kind of relationships we want to see developed here at Impact Church. We don't want to be just a group of people who show up and see each other for an hour on Sunday morning, and then we go our separate ways, and we do it again next week. We want to be a church of groups of people who are engaged with each other's life so that when you hurt, I hurt. When you struggle, I'm struggling with you because we care about one another. We're there for one another. So today as we look in the Bible, we're going to see how this plays out. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts is probably my favorite book in the New Testament because it is the picture of how the church started and how the church just exploded onto the scene and literally transformed the world from just a small group of people. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And look what it says starting in verse 42. And it'll be on the screen, or you can pull out your phone. Look at what it says. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that right there, that is a picture of the church being the church. The church people getting together day by day, over God's word, sharing food together, praying for one another, all those things that we just talked about, that's happening right here. And the way that it ended, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, the most incredible picture about this is when the church begins to act like the church is supposed to act and begins to love one another the way that God intended for the church to do that, we won't have a building big enough to hold all the people that will want to be part of something like that. Just like it says right here, God added to their number daily those who were being saved because they saw the church in action. They saw people doing life together. They said, you know what? How can we be part of that? How can we get in on that? Something's happening with those people, and, it, and it's incredible that they're different. What's going on? And the same thing can happen today. When people start living out the biblical principles of their faith, not just playing church, but really saying, God, I'm going to let you take control of every aspect of my life. They're going to look different. They're going to act different, and people are going to notice. Some people aren't going to like it. Some people will make fun of it. But there are going to be others who are going to be so attracted to that because it's what they've been looking for. They're going to look at your life when you're living out what God says and says, man, what, what's, what's going on with you? How can I get some of what you got? And that'll open up so many doors for you to have conversations about your relationship with God, 
for you to say, look, why don't you come be part of my group next week and you'll get to meet people who are helping me live this way. And all those things. You know, as we look at this, let's just take a few minutes and see what kind of community this really was. Look, you know, look at what it says in, in verse 44. It says, all those believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together. They brought bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. I mean, just think about that. What was going on back then is they were together. They were together every day. Now, I don't know about you, but there's probably times when I don't want to see the same people every day. There's probably times when my wife doesn't want to see me every day because I get on her nerves. Um, but when, when you really understand the, the unity that they were experiencing, the oneness, when it says, hey, the, this, is, this is family here. Do you know that from this moment on, for the rest of the Bible, the word brother and sister is mentioned over 200 times. And the reason is, is because when people begin to do life together like this, they no longer thought of each other as just friends or acquaintances. They became true family with one another. So that neighbor was no longer just a neighbor. That neighbor was now a brother. A brother united through your relationship with God together. It was a family. See, we were not meant to do life alone. We were meant to live in community. But it starts with a common bond that unites us. And for the church, that bond is Jesus. For, for this church in the book of Acts, they were united over their relationship with God. That was what that was what kept them. It wasn't about, oh, I like this music or I like that music or, you know, I live here and you. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with that. It was a bond strictly about their relationship with God together. And that, that meant that no matter your income, no matter your status in the community, no matter who you were, we're equal under God. And we're brothers and we're sisters under God. We're family. That's the kind of relationships God intended for us to have in the church. That's the community. And I love the picture there because you see it said, hey, when someone had need, everybody got together and helped meet that need. It said people sold their possessions to help someone else who had a need. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty radical. To think that, okay, I care enough about you that if you're struggling with something, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help. Even to the point of, you know, selling something of mine just so I can help you with a financial need, if that's what it takes. Because not only were they unified over their relationship with God, but they really understood the idea with it's not all about me. My stuff, what I want, is not as important. 
as making a difference in the lives of the people I care about. And when we really begin to do life with one another, when we really begin to see those relationships, those bonds begin to form, one of the sure signs of, of people growing in their relationship with God is when they begin to say, it's not all about me. And how can I make a difference in your life? It's not how you can serve me, but how can I serve you? And so many people get caught up with this idea of, you know, I've got to earn my way to God. So I've got to do so many good things. But the picture here is not people trying to do good so that they could earn some kind of merit with God. But they're serving and loving one another because they already have a relationship with God, not in order to get one. And there's a huge difference there. Because the love we can have for one another, we can't create on our own. It can only come out of the outflow of God's love for us and God building that in our own life. Because otherwise, we'll all come in with different agendas and different motives and different plans. And then eventually, we can fake it for a while, but eventually our real, our real self will come out. And 99% of the time, our real self is very selfish. And when stuff gets really hard, you know, we want to take a step back and run away and say, I'm, that's, that's too heavy for me. I'm, I'm not ready for that. But when we're grounded in our relationship with God first, that gives us the strength to say, okay, when it gets hard, I'm just going to trust God more. Because I know that in Him, I have the ability to make it through this. So that's why, that's why this idea of community is so important. Because we believe that people grow in their relationship with God out of doing life with a small group of people. This kind of gathering is great, and it's important, but it's very one-sided. You know, you come, and you hear someone like me talk to you for a few minutes. And yeah, I hope you'll listen. I mean, you know, I, I try to think of good things to say. Um, but when you're in a group with other people, and there's a dialogue, and you can really engage that's when you begin to grow. That's when the truth of God's word can begin to really make its way into your life. And you can wrestle with that and say, I, I don't know how to do that in this situation. And then you've got other people telling you, well, I've been in that same situation, and here's how God got me through it. And we can help each other out. And we can pray for one another. That's why this is a big deal. So the question is, who makes an impact? You know, I've been reading a lot about the church in the book of Acts because that's when, that's when the church started, when God took a handful of disciples and he launched them out. And then from there, the Bible says that at one point, 3,000 people became followers of Jesus when Peter preached one day. And then another time, it was 4,000. 
men, the Bible says. Because one person shared. And thousands of people, just like it said, it said people were adding, God was adding people daily. And it started with just a handful of people. And when you look at the people that God used, they weren't the smartest or the brightest or the most well-liked or the most well-known. They didn't have much money. If God were to, to handpick a group of people and say, this is the group that I'm going to change the world, the people that he picked probably were the least likely people that any of us would think, well, I, that's where I would start. He picked the most ordinary, the most, you know, uninspiring, the most regular people he could find, and he said, it's you guys that I'm going to change the world through. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me incredible hope to know that in the Bible, God transformed the entire world through the most regular people. L listen at this. Somebody came up with a little, just a little story that if the disciples that Jesus picked were being put up for a job today at a large company, here's what the response might be from an HR person. They might say, thank you for submitting the resumes of some of the men you're considering for management positions in our organization. And all of them have taken our battery of tests and interviews. And here's our conclusions. It is our staff's unanimous opinion that most of the nominees are lacking in qualifications for the type of enterprise we need. We find that Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of anger. He seems far too impulsive to be put in a position of oversight. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The brothers James and John place personal interests above company loyalty, and they seem to be impatient with others. Now, Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that could tend to undermine morale, and we feel it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. Now, these were the disciples. These were some of the disciples that Jesus chose to launch his church and change the world. And based on their outward qualifications, they had none. They were the worst candidates you could imagine. And yet, that's who Jesus chose. That does give me great hope. So the question is, if that's who God chose, why? How could people like that change the world? And here it is. One word, devotion. Devotion. Just think about this. The depth of our devotion determines our impact. See, God is not looking all over the world for the strongest or the smartest people or the wealthiest or the most well-known. He's not looking for the person with the most friends on Facebook or the most followers on Twitter. He's looking for people, men and women, boys and girls, 
to be devoted to him wholeheartedly. That's who he can use to change the world. That's who he can use to make a difference. And when you look at, look at Acts 2.42, look what it says. The first three words, they devoted themselves. That's the key. That's it right there. They devoted themselves. That's what it takes. Regular people devoting themselves to God. And God can use them. God can use us to do incredible things if we're going to be devoted. So that's our question. Will we be? Are we willing to be devoted to the God principles of life? Are we willing to be devoted to God first and to one another second? So that as we do life together, we can help each other live out these God things. We can help each other be devoted to God so that God can use us just like he used the people here. Now this is an intense thing. This is not some casual play in church. This is real hardcore, like, you know, Navy SEAL Christian life kind of thing. This is the best of the best. This is the kind of stuff, you know, like Drew Brees getting ready to play in the Super Bowl kind of thing. This is that kind of intense preparation. I would say it's kind of like LSU getting ready for their first game, but it got canceled, so we won't talk about that. But this is that kind of intensity. These people were that serious about their faith, about their relationship with God. Fully and completely devoted. Now, here's a kind of a radical thought about all this. You know, for us, living life this way sounds completely, to some people, just crazy. But the reality is, this is normal. For people who claim to be followers of Jesus, this is what's supposed to be normal for us. We are supposed to be completely devoted to God. We are supposed to be devoted to one another and, and loving one another and encouraging one another and praying for one another. This is not supposed to be a radical way of thinking. Unfortunately, that's what our society has come to. When people start living life not for themselves, but for something bigger than themselves and for other people first, People look at that and say, that's different. But God expects us to be different. So the question is, how many of, of us want to settle for what the world says is normal? Or how many of us want to experience what God says should be normal? And that's living life devoted to God, and walking through life no longer alone, but in community with other believers, other people who are engaged with God with you. So you're not, you know, God didn't call anyone to be a Lone Ranger Christian. Now earlier, I told you that these bananas could teach us all a pretty 
incredible lesson. And here it is. You've got a bunch of bananas here. And this is how we normally buy them. They come in a bunch. And so when, when you want to eat a banana, now most people, what do they do? They take one off. And then they peel it, and they eat it. Now, it's, it, it would be pretty difficult to eat a banana if it was in the bunch. It'd be, it'd be kind of hard to, to peel and then, you know, the, trying to eat it while it's attached to a bunch of other bananas. Here's what we can learn from that. See, the Bible says that God's enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And just like a banana, when we're in a bunch, when we're surrounded by some other Christians that are praying for us, doing life with us, encouraging us, there's safety there. So when the, the enemy attacks, when the world you know, comes against us, when life gets hard, we have protection. But that banana that's out on its own, all alone, that's away from the bunch, away from the group, this banana's going to get eaten. This banana's going to get devoured and swallowed up. That's why that community, doing life with other Christians is so important. So that when the difficulties happen, you don't get swallowed up by them. They're going to happen. And then sometimes they're going to hurt. And it's going to be hard. And the only way, I know in my own experience, there have been times the only way I've made it through is because I had people in my life pushing me and supporting me and encouraging me and praying for me. Because I wasn't going through it alone. I survived. That's God's ideal. That's God's plan. That's why at Impact, we have groups for people. We're, we're starting our round of groups actually this week. We have a men's group that meets every Tuesday morning at PJ's Coffee right here. And it's not like a Bible study or anything like that. We just pray for one another. We talk about life and how things are going. And, and that's, that's pretty much it. Our ladies, they're actually starting a group today. So ladies, if you're here... Our women are starting a group that's going to meet twice a month. Today they're meeting at Tutti Frutti, Alf Lapalco and Harvey at 6.30 this evening. And it's just going to be a time for the women to come together and, and get to know one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, talk about life, laugh, cry, well, all the above. You know, the, that kind of stuff ladies like to do. Um, and then we're actually starting grow groups this Thursday evening for anybody. They're going to be Thursday evening at 6.30 where anybody is welcome, married, single, young, old, doesn't matter. And we're just going to do life together. We're going to pray for one another. And those will be every Thursday. And you can find out the, the address, the information, all that. Um, it's on our website. It's on our Facebook. And, and you'll see more of that this week posted 
But those are the environments where people can say, hey, you know, I like the whole church thing, but how do I grow as a follower of Jesus? How do I go deeper? How do I learn more about God and who you want? It's in those small group environments. That's what those are designed to do. That's why we have them, to build that community. Because we need it. We all need it. It's so important. But it starts, before you can begin to grow in your relationship with God, you must first have a relationship with God. And that's one of the main reasons that Impact Church is here, so we can see people begin that relationship with God and then begin to help them grow and discover God's plan for their life. Because, see, the Bible says that, that every one of us have sinned, have done at least one thing wrong. And because of that sin, we are separated from God forever. And the penalty for that sin is death. But the good news about what the Bible teaches is that we don't have to pay the price for our own sin. God sent his son Jesus to pay that price for us. His death on the cross that we celebrate at Easter. And then he rose again three days later. Jesus paid a price for my sin and for your sin that we could never pay for ourselves. And the Bible says if you want to begin a relationship with God, all you have to do is trust in what Jesus did. Put your faith in that and say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose again and paid a price for my sin so I could have a fresh start in God's eyes and have my sins forgiven and just like the Bible says, I become a whole new person. God makes me brand new. No matter my past, God wipes it clean and makes me a new person. See, the Bible says all you have to do is say yes to God. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the message. That's the entire Bible summed up in one sentence right there. That's it. That's what the Bible is written for, to tell us that truth, that Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with God by trusting in him. So if you're here today and you said, you know what, I need that. I need to start a relationship with God. I've never done that. I've never said yes to him before. 